This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. This very special bonus episode that apparently I was just informed we do not do enough of. I'm joined today, as I always am, by my lovely, talented, and scholarly co-host, the beautiful Brittany Page. Well, it's we've been trying. We've, trying what? To have more bonus episodes. Oh, yeah. We made an effort for a month, and then it just didn't work out. So, But we're back at it. <laughs> we're back at it. That's what matters. Well, it's you who complains that we don't have enough bonus content. <laughs> That's true. Brittany complains that we don't work enough. Yeah, I want to work more. This is the fourth time in studio this week. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not enough. Yeah, you you <laughs> would like to do like twice a day. That would be great. Yeah. I'm saying that jokingly, but actually the audience is probably like, yeah, well, that sounds like a great yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, I get messages from people. They're like, daily episode? I'm like, we'll get there. It's because our audience is filled with entitled dicks. <laughs> <laughs> not a way to treat the audience let's let's relax we are also joined today by our our esteemed guest ted larkins he is an author speaker and accomplished business executive if you can't tell that i'm reading and also a coach on happiness and yes. that is what we're going to talk about today ted uh, in his past has co-developed a leading entertainment licensing company in tokyo representing movie studios like paramount sony and 20th century fox He's also worked on projects with uh, John Bon Jovi, Ooh. Living on a Prayer, Ooh. Jack Nicholas, <laughs> and of course, Britney's all-time favorite, Mariah Carey. The best. But today, he's here to talk about the book that he wrote. I have a copy of it right here. Get to be happy, stories and secrets to loving the shit out of life. <laughs> Ted Larkins, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, brother. It is so great to be here. Thanks thanks so much, you guys. Really great. So <laughs> I, I was turned on to you by... The other night, uh, Brittany and I were having a beer with um, some of the Ruta staff, yeah. the, the Harley Ruta staff. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to his campaign... Cam Jesus. His campaign manager, Mike. And uh, he could not... I don't want to say he couldn't shut up about it, but he he couldn't find enough good things to say. There there were it was limitless how many great things he had to say about you. I was like, wow, that sounds uh, awesome. That sounds like a guy for the show. <laughs> yeah, it is. I so am. Then, I'm ready. So it is awesome to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You are you're a Southern California guy, right? I'm I'm actually from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, and I've been here in California now for about uh, twenty years. Mm. Oh. from via Japan. I was in Japan for ten years, huh. so I've kind of cruised around oh, okay. through life. Yeah. Where where in Ohio? From Columbus, Ohio. So I was born in Chicago. Was there till I was seven, and then I moved over to Columbus hmm. and uh, lived there until I was you know a ripe old age of eighteen or nineteen, and I headed out west to bartend and you know start life. Go west, young man, is what they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did it. <laughs> so so you've 
have, where have you, like in Southern California, is this, mm-hmm. like, this is your home base? Has it always been? Orange County? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here in Costa Mesa. So I've been here, you know, again, for uh, when I moved back from Japan in 1997. So that's been 20 years here. And uh, But I was down in San Diego. I bartended down at the Sheraton Grand down there for a little bit. I lived up in West Hollywood and, you know, bartended at the swanky Tribeca restaurant in Beverly Hills for a little <laughs> bit. I lived in Reno. I bartended at the MGM Grand. I cruised around a little bit. Vagabond. I'm a vagabond. I'm a yeah. And then I got the the opportunity to go with a a girlfriend of mine. She came home one day. She was the piano singer at the lounge uh, there up in L.A. She came home and said, "Hey, I got a, a job offer to play the piano in Osaka, Japan." And I said, oh, that's great. And a couple of drinks later, she said, you know, I'm going to go over. I said, oh, that's great. She said, you should come with me. <laughs> By this time, we're drinking a little bit. Are you bit. not good at taking hints? No. I said, <laughs> I said, I said, go with you where? She said, oh, it's to Japan. I said, and we're drunk. She said, I said, where's Japan? She said, it's the other side of Hawaii. I said, really? She said, you want to come? I said, hell yeah. And the we, next live thing, on a, we live on a sphere. Everything's the other side of Hawaii. Everything was, yeah, but it was really, hey, for me, it was really the other side of Hawaii. But two weeks later i put everything in storage area and i went over to japan hmm. and it was awesome and you know for three months i was doing the foreigner thing i was teaching english i bartended at the wild west club you know as the wow. token foreigner and i was a sheriff it was cool bartender sheriff and uh three months you know three wait, months wait, in, what do you mean i was a, i had a hat and a badge oh, like a costume a costume bartender oh. sheriff at the wild west club i didn't speak japanese you know i'm serving these drinks but three months into it, you know, my girlfriend, she, Marlene, she came back and she said, hey, you know, my gig's up going back to L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to go? And I said, no, sayonara. I'm wow. going to stay here. Wow. I'm going to learn the language. I didn't have a degree. I was a bartender. I'm 26, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought if I learned this language, it'd be cool. So uh, so she took off. I put out over the bar. I was looking for a homestay. I'm going to learn this language. I'm going to live with a family. Met a guy named Yoshida. He said, come live with me. And uh, you teach my kids English once a week. And you can live for free for six months. Let's see how wow. it goes. Well, that's a bargain. So there you go. So that was my... my... Luckily, you knew how to speak English. I, I knew how to speak <laughs> it. And he did not. And we used dictionaries to figure wow. it out. Yeah. And so that was how, and then, um, and then a quick, there's a quick fun story. He knocked on my door about three months into it, knocked on my door at 10 o'clock one night. I opened it in my bedroom. I, he said, we do big business. I said, sure, whatever that is, come on in. He came in, sat down, he handed me a ripped piece of paper and there was a phone number. He said, I put James Dean on t-shirts, you call number. I said, what the hell? Okay, whatever that means. I called the number, a guy answered. I said, hi, my name's Ted. I'm here in Osaka. A guy wants to use James Dean. The guy said, oh, my name's Marcus Winslow. I'm James Dean's cousin. Hmm. You know, pay me some money and I'll send you some photographs. Hmm. So we did this little deal, $10,000. He sent some photos. Yoshida started making t-shirts. About three weeks later, he knocked on my door at 10 o'clock. Call him back. I want to do James Dean hats. Oh, James Dean hats, another $3,000. Over the next six years, we added umbrellas and underwear and socks and snowboards. We did over $80 million in James Dean product. We paid his cousin wow. $4 million in royalties. Wow. And my six-month homestay turned into six and a half years. Wow. And that was my introduction into licensing, you know, putting putting brand names on product and selling yeah. them. And during that time, we I reached out to Pepsi-Cola. We got the rights to Pepsi-Cola. We did $500 million in Pepsi crap wow. in Japan. Yeah, yeah. wow. And, uh, and then Paramount Pictures reached out, and we represented Paramount doing an Audrey Hepburn uh, Roman Holiday, you know, 1953 yeah, uh, sure. show as a stage play, multi-million dollar deal, and then Fox, Sony, MGM. And over the next 20 years, we became the largest entertainment licensing company in Japan. Yeah. And I kept bartending, but, you know, as my, <laughs> as, as my but, you know, but the, as things grew and these contracts got more bigger and bigger, and I was the only guy that spoke English in the company. Yeah. So 
anyways, that's where it came from. And along that way, I just kept being happy and learning about life. And it's pretty, uh, pretty adventurous, journey. pretty adventurous. Yeah, well, yeah. It was a journey for sure. Yeah. You definitely secured your indispensability by being the only cat who spoke English. There too. was something to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and someone might listen to that and go, look at all this success. No wonder he's telling people how to be happy. But you've also encountered difficult times in your life. Oh, we've had. A, yes, of course. I mean, every human being. One thing that I've learned, you know, I, I did work, as you mentioned, I, I worked with John Bon Jovi uh, closely. We did a deal, uh, a slot machine for Bon Jovi in Japan. Mm. And, um, you know, when I first met John, he was kind of a jerk. He was, you know, he was backstage at Uh-oh. a show in Tokyo. He's kind of a jerk, standoffish. I brought him this big deal. And, you know, of course, I kind of expected I don't know, something. But Trying to get some cowboy advice come out on. of him. Like yes, sheriff, exactly. right? I got my sheriff badge. No, come steel on, John. horse he rides, come you know. On. But I'll tell you what I... But <laughs> you what, knew that was coming. Yeah, you had to say that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I learned is that after after a little while, we started doing more biz, biz, you know, more into this deal, and I started to connect with him more. I walked up to him one day, and I hadn't seen him for a bit, and that, I had that feeling. And somebody said, oh, John, this is Ted. Remember, you know, the, the deal. And he got the biggest smile on his face and said, Ted, hey, buddy, what's happening? And we shook hands and I realized at that moment, you know, we went out to dinner and then we, we hung out. We were in Tokyo for a week together, you know, the band and everything. And I realized with he and other celebrities as well is they have a they have to have a wall up because everybody's sure. after him. And I was yeah. just on the other side of the wall. But yeah. as soon as you break through, guess what? He's a great guy, just like all of us trying to be happy. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to figure this thing called life out. He doesn't have the, the keys to it. Yeah. And he ended up just being great. So, but then, so I just learned that as a big point that we are all in this and we all suffer. We all have challenges mm-hmm. and we all have the ability to find happiness if we look for it. And yeah. so that's where I am. I, You know, you mentioned challenges. My daughter died at birth uh, about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was really tough. But, you know, through the challenges of grieving, mm-hmm. one thing I came to at the end, you know, they have the five stages of grief, mm-hmm. right? And the fifth stage is acceptance. I'll never be okay, but I'll learn to accept it. Mm-hmm. And that's just in our culture. Culture. But what I want to say, what I came to is there's a sixth stage and I call it celebration. And I honor my daughter's life and as short as it was. And as soon as I step into that, wow, I love that. What I had with her. Dr. Sue says, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And from that state of mind, then I came back to being able to give love back to the world because that's what the world needs from me. Mm-hmm. And that's my suggestion to everybody. And I will never say, if you're grieving and you're having a tough time, I will never say, oh, get over it. No, you'll mm-hmm. go through the process, whatever that takes. Yeah. You know, all the respect, whatever in the world. But if you're ready, when you're ready, here is an opportunity. Here's something you may not have thought of, this this celebration. Mm-hmm. And if we could all look at that as a, as a potential, yeah. it's wonderful. It's kind of a that Seuss quote, Seuss. <laughs> I like Seuss. Um, uh, uh, the the venerated physician, Doctor Seuss. Uh, it's similar to the you know it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved before. Ever, Absolutely, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, let's we'll get right into it here. Uh, get get to be happy. Get to the get and, to principle. So give us kind of the the, the thirty thousand foot overview, and then we can kind of yeah. dive in a little bit more. Okay. So in depth. look. In general, we go through our society, and in the English language specifically, we have something we say, have to. I gotta, I have to. And it's just part of our, just the way we are. I gotta go get a cup of coffee. I gotta do the dishes. I gotta go to the store. And it's just, it's how we are. But it's really, if you look at it, it's really coming from a victim state of mind. I have to. You don't have a choice. And if you, and my, what I'm suggesting, what I'm bringing out to the world is this get to principle, which is shift over and say, I get to. 
I get to do the dishes. I get to go to the store. I get to get a cup of coffee. And just having that shift can change your lens, your viewpoint on the world. Mm -hmm. And things start being getting better. And I'm not saying that you don't have to do, look, you have to do the dishes or they pile up and stink, right? Some people say, oh, I have to. Sure, I get that. But just shift your mindset to, I get to. Mm -hmm. And this is where it really hit home for me. A couple of years ago, I was doing the dishes. I was, you know, I had filed bankruptcy. I'd gone through uh, nine foreclosures during the real estate shebang. So talk yeah, about yeah. going through some tough shit, man. It was tough. And, but I, I, I worked at shifting out of that. And here's when it happened. I was doing the dishes, scrubbing, and I was complaining. Oh, I got to do the dishes. God damn it. And then I stopped. I said, wait a second. I don't have to. I get to. And in that moment, my mind got quiet and I had compassion for the 20,000 people that will die of starvation on the planet today. It wasn't this feeling sorry for. It was simple, wow. And then at the same moment, I had this great appreciation. I just had a great meal. And as I kept scrubbing, I started to smile. I said, wow, I get to. Mm -hmm. And it was really a powerful moment. And then after that, after the dishes, my wife said, oh, you know, you're going to play with your boy. I said, oh yeah, I got to I gotta play with my son. He was 10. Uh, I was going to do some work. And at that, the, again, that moment, it hit me. I said, I don't got to, I get to. And in that moment, I had this compassion for parents that aren't going to be able to play with their kids for whatever reason and appreciation for my my 10-year-old that had colored hair and he was crazy. And I just smiled. I said, oh my God, I get to. And at that moment, it clicked. If I'm deliberate about saying I get to instead of I have to, it can change how my life is. And I also realize I can share it with the world. And thus, I wrote the book, Get To, Be Happy. Mm -hmm. So just the practice of getting in the habit of of reframing your language you think yes. even can yeah, that's be it. impactful. That that's the start. And there's there's a lot to it. I think when you, you know, this mindful revolution that we're in. People are talking about meditating, mm -hmm. right? They're doing a, a lot of that mindfulness stuff. Yeah. And what that is is bringing you to the the present moment. And when you're in this present moment not thinking about the past, not worried about the future, you're tapping into this unfolding potentiality of what's unfolding in front of us, this world, this life. Mm -hmm. And when you're there, then you're in control and you're able to really be a creator of your life, not a victim to it. It's really cool. So how do you think it's impacted your life? Like your outlook or your relationships? What do you think uh, the impact is? Oh, my relationships with my family of just, uh, you know, with my wife, with my two kids. They're now Will's 13. He's just a great kid. And, and, and we have our challenges like anybody, but more and more I am stepping into, I don't say I have to anymore. I say, oh, I get to. And it's a, it's, you know, there's a, a thing It'd be kind of off brand yeah. if you were saying have to. Yeah, right. I know. I couldn't say I have to. You know, the other day my wife said, oh, you got to get the kids there. You know, and I was working on the computer. I said, oh, yeah, I got to go get them. As I grabbed the keys, I turned around. I said, I don't got to. I get to. <laughs> and as silly as it was, as I sat in the car, I said, I get to. And I had that compassion because of the recent shootings. I said, shit, man, I get to. Mm -hmm. and, and then I said, wow, great appreciation for my kid. Now he's, you know, 13. He's really out there. And my daughter, she's incredible. But I just had this appreciation. And by the time I picked them up at school, instead of this feeling of, oh, I had to come get you guys, whatever, they were like, daddy, hey, guys guys, what's up? It was a whole different feeling. Yeah. And that's how we're living more and more with them, with my wife, with my work, with people like, even with you guys, I get yeah. to be here and I'm as excited. You're goddamn God right. God damn you get it. To I'm be excited. Here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you're, you're, you're also a business guy. So how, how do you think this scales to obviously look, I, I think it's an awesome concept. I think it's beautiful. I really do mm -hmm. like the fact that it, you're, you're focusing on a paradigm shift of how people yes. think about um, obligation versus opportunity. Yes. And um, 
but it seems kind of like like a like a narrow field of people who could really benefit from this. For instance, as you're doing the dishes, and I'm just thinking of questions that mm. if I don't ask, the audience can be like, God damn it. Well, you got to ask the guy the question. While you're doing the dishes and then you think about those people that you have empathy for, the 20,000 people who are going to starve to death today, the, the, the get-to philosophy really is more for you than it is for them. I think that my feeling is that when you step into this feeling of get to, when you're deliberate about it, look, when the when the oxygen masks drop in the plane, yeah, they say right. put them on yourself first. Mm -hmm. So what I realize is that get happy first. If you can be happy, do it. And then, and only then, can you share that with the world. Mm. Yeah. But we're all focused on, oh, I'm guilty for being happy, or I shouldn't, or there's so much suffering, who am I to be happy? No, screw that look get happy in yourself that's the first step and then share it and that's what people are looking for and you're, you're going to get people that say oh you're too happy i you know or fine well, whatever i'm not yeah fuck them i'm not worried about thank them. you thank you good yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no yeah but this phrase here. yeah and this <laughs> and this applies this applies across i've taken this to uh, corporations I've, I've spoken to uh yeah kelly blue book i've talked to to new desk down in irvine and I've, i i spoke to a, a group of ceos and i said because when you uh uh implement this in your offices with your team. Can you imagine you're sitting around and everybody's, oh, what do I got to do today? What do I have to do today? But if you start the day with a little meditation, if you will, or just what do you get to do today to each person? And they say, well, I get to do this. I get to do that. I get to do that. Just right. think how that shifts sure. that day. But, but So let me drill down. I don't want to hammer you too hard. Uh, hammer especially away. this early. Hammer away. Um, <laughs> Go for it. But so is this... I mean, there seems to be a little bit of a kind of a white privilege element to this philosophy because, mm -hmm. and I, I really want to ask the question because I'm more, I'm labeled, I think justifiably sometimes, the unreasonable optimist. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always, look, look on the bright side, there's a silver lining here. Yes, Trump is president. Yes, it's insane. Holy shit, <laughs> what's happening? The room is on fire, but eh, it'll be over soon. And I get I get challenged by the audience, yeah. especially on mm -hmm. that. But but what would you say to people? Like, how could someone who is in a marginalized, historically, generationally, uh, centuries of oppression, mm -hmm. whether you be black or a woman or gay, how would you have them begin to implement this into their ethos, into their their daily routine? I think that they. Again, it applies to any human. I was in, in Calcutta in, in India. I met Mother Teresa. I got the honor of, of meeting that precious being. It was amazing. Uh, and I was in her, I worked in her, you know, I volunteered in her orphanages. And I, I was in the slums of Calcutta. And I found there is such, you know, just incredible lack, you know, of people, poor people. Yet I found that a lot of those people they didn't have anything and so they weren't entitled to anything and so they found joy in what they did have a lot of them they sure. were suffering plenty sure sure and so what i say here is look if you're suffering i i can't change that i'm not here to change the world but i am saying look there is a viewpoint even if you're not privileged even if you don't have everything that if you just take a moment and whether it's get to or just a silent meditation to come present to this unfolding reality of life, 
you could find happiness. Yeah. I, I don't know if that answers your no, question. No, it does. It it's does. It's tough. Yeah. I, I'm glad. I, I like the fact that um, it's a different way and I think a unique... Um, it's a unique perspective on kind of, hey, look, shit could be worse. Yeah, it is. You know <laughs> what I mean? Be, shit could be worse. You know, yeah. shit's bad for you now, but yeah. you know what? Yeah. You know, look, you live in Canada. You're poor. Yeah, you know what? Trump could be president for you. Fuck you. It's not that bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, <duh. laughs> So. Oh, Jesus. You, yeah. <laughs> listen, I grew up a, a I, well, I grew up a fundamental, fundamentalist, evangelical Christian Ooh. in a tongue-talking, hand-raising, dancing around like a maniac Woo! church. Right, I'm not that anymore. Now I'm an atheist. But um, you're a guy. You you ever you meet someone? And they're just they're infectious with their positivity and their happiness, mm-hmm. and it's not gooey and gross. Um, it's it's infectious. It's yeah. it's you appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like you're describing Ted. Yeah, I am describing Ted. <laughs> oh, okay. You're one of those guys. So, <laughs> what, are you are you religious? Like, are you a Christian? If if you have a, a faith, what, yeah. what what flavor are you? So I was brought up, brought up a Lutheran. Because that's okay. what that's what my parents were, mm-hmm. and that's what their parents were. Kind of, kind of, <laughs> and it goes back. How far back do you want to go? Yeah, okay, yeah. so I was. That's what we went to church. Kind yeah. of milk Whatever. toast. Kind yeah. of. It's what I what we, when I when I was in the faith, I used that was kind of like watered down. Like yeah. <laughs> they're not as crazy as us, so they're yeah. you know more socially acceptable. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> right. So I went. So I was a Lutheran. I went to church. I went to Sunday school. But along the way, it just there were so many contradictions. I didn't mm-hmm. get it. And um, I'll tell you what happened. This is I hate to blow it from the book, but. No. Yeah, this is your book. Tell, this is a this is a really this was really powerful for me. We were in the hospital. My daughter had died, and my wife was in full labor, and there was nothing to do except go through the labor now. Mm-hmm. And the priest, the hospital priest, came in, and he said, "Would you like to do a blessing?" He was in his black robes, and he was all dark. And my mm-hmm. wife was like, "Don't even." And he looked at me. He's like, "Oh, you come? You want to come with me? You know?" And I'll, you know, I can talk to you. I said, "I'm a, I'm an open spiritual guy. I talk to anybody. I love that." So we went to his little office, and we sat down, and he said. And it was really peaceful, you know. This is, you know, this is way past my 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 Luther, Lutheran days, but you know, the cross on the the wall and all that. And I was like, that's cool, that's great. It offers such, you know, relief for people. Sure, it's for wonderful. Sure. I I just have all the the best for it. But he said to me, so you know, where are you in your you know religion? I told him, look, you know, I went to Japan. I I kind of was started exploring. I read Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb, nineteen eighty three. Yeah, she that changed my life. Because it was like, oh, there is a different way to look at this whole religious thing. Mm-hmm. And this dogma that's set in doesn't have to be that way. So that started my my little exploration. Then I went to Japan, and I had a bit of a uh, an enlightenment as I was jogging through Osaka Castle Park. And I was like, I'm God, or whatever. I had this enlightenment. I went down to the Zen temples of in the mountains of Hiroshima. I meditated with the monks. And I started really exploring all religions as a thing. And so I explained this to the priest. So I'm not... I'm not anything except exploring what this thing called life is. So even today, right now. Right now, that's like, my I look, we are all God. That's my feeling. We are hmm. there's a there I believe in a higher power. I don't know what form it takes. I don't think it's a guy sitting up on a cloud like I was brought up with. I think there's an energy or what have you. I don't try to put words to it. I just feel it. And when you're quiet and you're feeling love, to me that's that's God. And when you tap into that energy, it's really so, so a little bit hippy dippy. A little bit hippy dippy, <laughs> but it you can take it hippy dippy or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, it is just I am just here. That's I'm not, what look, I like. I'm to not do. shitting on no, it. No, yeah, fair yeah, I just wanted to peg you. Fair I enough. like people to be in their fucking yeah. place. That's I like where to I, know. You don't want to give a label. He yeah. wants to give you a label. I like there to be order. <laughs> you in the label world. me. I'm yeah, yeah, hippy. Yeah. Hip, what do you call me? Hippy pissy. Hippy dippy. Hippy dippy. Okay, I'll take it. Hippy pissy. What? What's happening? So back at so here I am in the hospital. I explain this to the priest and. And he says you're going to hell. He says, okay. No, what? this guy seemed like he had good intent. 
He, well, yeah, he did. But he said to me, so if you accept Jesus into your life right now, your son will go to heaven. Well, that's not even biblical. And I said, that's kind of aggressive. And I said to him, yeah, well, fuck that guy. I said, well, wait a second. I, my son is going to be born regardless of what, he's going to heaven. And he said, we're all born sinners. And for him to go to heaven, you have to accept Jesus. I said, and I said, wow. in my mind, I said, fuck you, man. This yeah. is nuts. But what I said to him was like, this is crazy. My son is beautiful, and I hate that you're saying that. And I got up and left. Now, I saw him later in the hall. I smiled and waved because I don't want to have any grudges. And he was good intention in his own way. Well, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't buy that. Man. It was tough. Well, I mean, I don't want to conv- you know, infect you with my my poison and anger, but <laughs> that, fuck that guy, I'm man. Pulling, that's that's right? shitty. I mean, that's and also hey. it, it it flies in the face of biblical principle and I, tenets. It's it's yeah. that's not what the Bible but says. That was, I know, but that was his fundamental whatever view that was. You cannot stand in intercession for someone else as far as salvation is concerned. That's my belief. It's like I can't like. Oh, Brittany, I'm going to go get saved for the both of us. You stay here. Perfect. When I get back, you you don't have to do anything. That's just not the way it works. No, no, totally agree. So that's my religious. So that's where I've I've come to, you know, through that and accepting that as whatever it is. Look, here's something really cool that I've really come to embrace. I don't know how this sounds, but I'm going to throw it out here. Okay. The Big Bang, what they call the Big Bang, happened supposedly 14 billion years ago, right? And from nothingness. (laughs) Supposedly. (laughs) Maybe it did. We don't, nobody knows what happened. 14 billion years ago, right? But I'm yeah. going to give it. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that that's what happened. And it came from this void of nothingness. It mm-hmm. exploded out everything that we see. But here's the thing. It didn't happen and then here we are in it. It is happening. We are the big bang happening right now. It's Yeah, un- I yeah, I agree with it's that. It's unfolding and billowing out this yeah. moment. And if we can tap into being at that edge of that unfolding, then we are creators. And then we aren't judging what the God is or anything. We are that happening. It's really cool. You're like Deepak Chopra, except the language you use makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like Deepak. He's my no, uh, I, I think it's. I think it's great. Um, yeah. Well, I think we can all take moments during the day to be grateful. Like mm. when when I'm in the shower, sometimes I'm like, wow, I get to take a warm shower, you know? Right. And I, I really do try to take moments and feel like that because it is easy to get down. I mean, we, mm. we have to be plugged into the news all the time and we talk about all the things that are going on and a lot of times it's terrible. And so it can be very easy to get down. And just mm. as a protective measure, like for your own mental health, right? Like existing in the world, it seems beneficial to take those moments and be grateful and do what you can do um, even in the midst of suffering to try to buffer it in some way. Yeah, totally. Well, I also think we have an obligation as people of privilege, whatever Mm. your level of privilege is, um, to make the world a little better, make the world a little happier. Yeah. You're certainly doing that. Um, How... I, I saw that you have a shit ton of like five-star reviews on Amazon. Thank you. Which, by the way, everybody... Um, I would recommend you get the book because there's a lot of really great stuff in here. I mean, coming from a guy who has um, suffered or got to, got, you would say, got, gone through my got stuff. to go through yeah. some, like like when you said your daughter died at birth, I, mm. I was under the, the, the apprehension that it was like, I didn't think like the baby was born and then that was, I mean, that's, that's yeah. soul crushing shit that's, that some people never, ever no, recover from. No. No. And it's I think it's beautiful that you that you're able to 
to formulate this, yeah. put this into into words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that hopefully it will affect somebody's life. I mean, look, I'm in Arabia because that's rib me away, baby. That's the yeah. That's that's <laughs> it's the, all good. That's the, yeah. It I wouldn't get, be the show if not. <laughs> listen, I get, I get, I love. A, I get love getting rib. By the way, it's all just what it yeah. is. And um, you get to. I get to. <laughs> look here. Here's what. Here's what my sister said. Uh, she's in Columbus, and uh, she called. I said, you know, you get to this get to principle when I first bringing this out. She said, yeah, I know. And, and, and then she called. I said, hey, Julie, what's up? She said, you know, Ted, I realized I get to do the fucking dishes. And she <laughs> yeah, hung yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, awesome. You're now like, you ah, got I it. get to get hung up on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, all good. So anyway, I was plugging the book. Yeah, thank uh, you. It's on Amazon. It's Where all... else can people get the book? So Amazon.com. We're not wrapping here because I want to talk about writing a book too. Oh, but... good. Love to share that. Um, Amazon.com is the best place to do it. I, it, you know, it, it, um, I was a finalist for the prestigious Eric Hoffer Book Award. Oh. I just won the Indie, uh, Indie Bragg Medallion for Best Nonfiction Book. Um, I've been approached by a major publisher to do the second one because this is really resonating with people who, you know, on various levels. Some, somebody wrote and said, look, what I realize is through your experience is what I didn't get to experience in my life and now I want to. Hmm. And so you've opened up a door. And some people with the grieving thing, they say, wow, I get to I get to look at my mom's death in a different light. Thank you for that. And it's really an honor to get well, those Well, it's also comments. you get to go through life. Listen, I'm already using the language. Uh, <laughs> exactly. you, you do it. You have an opportunity to go through life and have the same type of experiences as you've had in the past, but maybe looking at it through a different viewpoint and then recognizing the differences and how it affected you and how you reacted to, like, let's say you go through a death in the family Mm -hmm. and with the, oh shit, I happen to do this. This is terrible. And then with a new outlook, with a new view of it, I think that it would be a fascinating study. You reframe it and you start, and you know, the, the, the world is this unfolding world that we, that, you know, we, everybody talks about, right? This unfolding is unfolding depending on how we look at it. Everybody, we know that, right? And this is the this is the the the, the quantum physics stuff. Yeah, and the hippy hippy dippy stuff is like yeah. you know, if you have the intention, the world will change for you. Well, there actually, this is quantum physics. This is what is happening. Is you focus your lens, how you look at the world, is how the world is going to change. And if you keep looking at it as it is, that's what you're going to get. And I think people get confused or or they don't buy into it because it doesn't happen automatically or immediately. But the reality is, in my experience, when you shift your viewpoint and start looking at it a different way, reality slowly comes to that viewpoint. There's also biblical, I'm going back to the Bible here, but yeah. there's biblical principles at play here too. Mm. As a man thinketh, so is he. There you go. You know, you just have a faith as small as a mustard seed. You can move mountains, that kind of shit. <laughs> um, I do want to say, us to church. on the other side, yeah. taking us to church, God, uh, uh, on the other side of the break, I want to talk about getting the book, uh, uh, writing the book. But the other thing, the way to get the book would be to go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. Mm. That will redirect you to Amazon with our little code in there. Indeed. So you buy Ted's book mm-hmm. and then we get a little tiny commission off that sale. We do. You don't pay any more. And uh, you're helping support your uh, your favorite or new favorite show. Yeah. Filled with news interviews, and amazing guests. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. 
Okay, so writing the book. Do you have advice for authors out there who are trying to finish a book themselves? What was it like writing the book? What was the process? How long did it take? You need to ask like five more questions yeah, in, a, in a row. <laughs> I could, here, here, I'll answer it in one. Get off your ass and start writing. That's yeah. it. I mean, look. This, so here, there's no special sauce. There is, they call it fanatical dedication. Get that in your mind. If you want to write, I was with a guy the other day and, you know, he came to me for some book writing advice and he said, um, you know, I'm doing some research and I'm going to do a little bit more research and then I want to do this. And we're talking. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And finally it got to what I just stopped him. I said, okay, no, this is no stop. Start writing today. When we're done with this, you pick up a pen and here's your exercise. And here's a, here's an exercise for anybody thinking of writing. You commit to 10 minutes a day. You get a piece of paper, you got to write, and you don't pick the pen off the page for 10 minutes and you write. You just, even if it's scribble, doodle, 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 doodle. And I did that every day for until stuff started coming out. Ted, and, I have to stop you because did you see this aggressive action over here from yes, Jesse did. when he I pointed did. at he me did. when you're giving this advice? Yeah, because how many times have I said, how it, it, dare and this you? This is coming from the chief procrastinator in this, these United States, me, that. Stop planning to do and goddamn do. <laughs> what is going on right you're, now? You're, you, you, you have, there's so much shit that you want to write that is awesome and will be ridiculously well-received. Our audience, if not for anybody else, but our audience, about your background and all the shit. That's just a lot Brittany of grew up in a aggressive. rabid, speaking of aggressive, aggressive white supremacist household. I and did. I don't mean like, yeah, I got a racist Uncle Gary. I mean like Nazi flags and frame photos of Adolf Hitler. Ooh. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to pressure her. She got to do that, Ted. Uh, I'm trying to pressure her to 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 write. I'm not trying to pressure. Apparently, it's not You're working. You're pressuring. Yeah, a lot of, There's pre- a lot of pressure pointing right now. in yeah, yeah, your yeah, face yeah, yeah, as yeah. he's talking. Thank you. Anyway, yeah, but so, that's good advice because yeah. when we had um, Adam Simon on, who's a screenwriter, he mm-hmm. said the same thing. I mean, he just said you have to dedicate a portion of your day every single day. Like you have yeah. to make it a habit. Yeah. Otherwise it's too easy to just like you say, won't. I'm not going to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. And then the next day yeah. I'll do it tomorrow. Have you, so there, uh, you remember uh, Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth Gilbert mm-hmm. from the 2008, whatever. She wrote a follow-up book called Big Magic. And this was, this was transformational for me. I was listening to her book on the, you know, on the train. And she said, look, the way you do it is you just set a timer for 30 minutes every day and just start doing it. And I was taking the train. I was commuting four hours a day up mm-hmm. to Hollywood from here in Costa Mesa. Oh, wow. And um, I did that for three and a half years every day. And But I was on the train and I said, oh my God, I've wanted to write a book. I've got this get to principle in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I turned off the book. I turned off my Wi-Fi and I just started writing the get to principle. And I just started writing and I did every day, no matter what. And I made that dedication, fanatical dedication. And I'll tell you, it took about a year and a half and it just kind of came out. I, I found editors. I did what it took. I found some editors that, you know, that were, you know, you just paid a couple hundred bucks to kind of look at it and see if you're going down the right path. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, and the tools out there are so easy to publish onto Amazon. Mm. It's, it's stunning. You know, create space, Ingram Spark, you know, these platforms that they have for free almost to put your book together and, and get it published. You could have a book up in a, in a month. I, I saw I saw on. Yeah, you just got to goddamn do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I saw on uh, photos somewhere. I mean, maybe in Facebook stocking or somewhere. Um, but it, uh, there were photos of you at audible.com. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, did you, so you went into their studios and did the audio version, I assume. So this or is, you just went in there and took pictures yeah, in their I lobby. Got, I got some good pictures with Audible. <laughs> no, so here's so I decided to do the Audible book. I went on to audible.com. They have something called acx.com, and that's their platform for helping authors make a, a digital or a, an audio book. And I, just, I auditioned a couple of people. You know, you put it out there on, and they auditioned. I was like, nobody can read this fucking book. This is yeah, me, right. man. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I found a guy and for, you know, a thousand bucks, I think, I went into his studio and I recorded you know, he had a little, an engineer, kind of like here, a cool yeah. studio. And anyways, I recorded the book and it turned out really well, getting some great, great reviews from that. But anyways, so this is part of the the just fanatical dedication. I would look for any angle and I got the Audible newsletter and there was an article about this woman who said, one of the editors at Audible who said, you know, I don't have to, I get to. And I love that phrase and I love being happy. And I found her on LinkedIn, did an in-mail, and sent her, hey, I wrote a book called Get to Be Happy. I don't know if you'd be interested, da-da-da. Two weeks later, she reached out and said, you know, I got your in-mail. I loved your book. I'd love to interview you. And because of that, I reached out to her. You know, you just do what it takes. Yeah, yeah. They brought me into the headquarters. We did this incredible interview. And yeah, and there you go. It's one of the most, most the highly uh, liked Facebook uh post on uh, for audible oh wow like awesome. to say this year yeah well i know great. uh mike uh harley ruda's um campaign manager yeah he did rave about the book Thank he said because i'm a slow reader i think yeah. he he was like a little emotional about it like it was very powerful he really did when yeah, i say yeah. he raved about it he he just said that you know because i'm a slow reader he goes yeah i don't you know i don't read a lot he, and also that guy's insanely yeah. busy with oh, one of with the, the one of the most um, notable congressional campaigns in yes. the country right now. Yeah, and he said he just barreled through this thing. Yeah, and it's yeah. this isn't like a pamphlet either. It's a it's a it's, book. It's a book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's not like a, one of Sam Harris's. You know, I'm selling a book and it's yeah. like twelve pages. Yeah, this is no. a book. Yeah. So even Harley Harley read it and wrote a fantastic review. He just said, "Oh my God, this journey, this journey, and and what you come out at the end of get to is really." quite fascinating and i think that's the what what people get out of it at the end is through the storytelling is that this get to is kind of woven through that and at the end you really just start to feel look i can do this it is that it is that simple and mm -hmm. so anyways really I, and i'm honored i'm honored as shit man i mean people like my book oh, thank you thank yeah. you it's yeah. really great it's, it's awesome. really beautiful so has there been have you experienced some negativity? I mean, look, there's going to be toxic people out there. Yeah. Maybe not even yep. toxic, but just people who are holding on to the to the the shit in their life, yep. the unhappiness yep. or whatever. Yep. So how do you how do you push back against? Because you don't seem to me to be a guy that just cuts them off and ignores them. You, oh, listen, I don't I've know. Got, maybe if you do that, then no, I no, I get, I get. Then we're more alike than I thought. I've, had, <laughs> I've had plenty of two star reviews. I actually don't. I don't. Uh, you know, uh, uh, respond to reviews mainly. You don't, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You don't, and and especially when they're two star. If somebody has a beef or they've got something going on, I'm just like, look, I'm I'm not going to judge you. You didn't like it. You think I was too tutti fruity, or you think that this is bullshit. And I get, I've gotten that. There's no way you can do this. And what I'm suffering, you don't even know suffering, pal. And I, all I can say to that is. No, I don't know your suffering. And I my heart bleeds because I, as everybody, have grieved and grieving sucks. I've been depressed and depression sucks. And when you're in it, there is you nobody can tell you anything. And I've been there. So when somebody says that to me, all I do, all I can do is send them love. And if if you're open, I'm here for you, but otherwise you know, good luck, really. Mm -hmm. we're just, everybody around you is sending you love to come out of that because as a human being, when we're in it, it sucks and and we know it. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I, you know, a lot, I've not a lot, but some people come back and say, this is just bullshit. I don't get it. And I'm like, all right. 
So when you when you came up with the concept, uh-huh. I, I like to think of things. Even yesterday on the on the show, we were talking about trigger warnings and how how it actually works and not. I, anyway, so I guess my question would be: when you when you're writing this, it it doesn't seem to me that you would just come up with this epiphany and you have the whole entire concept fleshed out the moment you were doing dishes. <laughs> no. So when you wrote it, like how long did it take you to kind of get to the final iteration, the final version of the the philosophy? So I think it's been, it had been building. And I realized as I started writing, and it really started to your point, Brittany, it really started as like a memoir. I just thought, you know, what if this is just a, a, a memoir for my kids? Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm mm. going to be a famous author. I don't think anything. I'm just going to start with that in mind. That was mm-hmm. my intention. And and I'll just kind of tell my life story. That'll be cool. And so it was from there. And then as I started writing and I started looking back at my childhood, where this get to started fitting in and I started remembering. You know, I was in a in Calcutta. I was in a taxi and, you know, the smells of the curry and the and the sugar cane and the motorcycles and the smog coming in through the windows. And we came to a stop and, you know, in traffic. And I realized we were on railroad tracks, bumper to bumper with the car in front of us. And I looked over and a train was coming slowly, but coming. And I said, shit. And I said to the taxi, move, move. He couldn't move back and front, totally on the tracks. And I looked over at the train driver silently screaming through his windshield honking his horn, slammed into the back of my taxi, pushed us down, and eventually off the tracks. Wow. And kept going. Wow. And, and that, the, Why didn't you lead with that story? Holy <laughs> shit. And in that moment, in that moment, instead of freaking out, mm-hmm. I smiled and I thought, oh, I got to do that. And yeah, I laughed. You got to stay alive. And, I, and look, <laughs> I, I wasn't hurt. The taxi all dented up, was able to drive. It just... And I, but there was that moment as I real as I looked back. That was a moment of oh, I get to wow. I did the same thing with my dad at his. I went to his funeral. Went after that's a story, but I, I walked into the into the um, funeral home, and there he was in his in his casket. And I leaned over and I kissed his cold bald head, and I stood up, and instead of whatever I could have done. I said, wow, I got to experience my dad in this life. Yeah. Wow. And I smiled. And so these things started coming back to me as how I've approached life. And when I'm being most powerful and most successful, I am uh, you know, implementing in my life the get to. Mm-hmm. And I realize that. And the more deliberate I am, the, the, you know, the more it's coming. So as I was writing the book, it just more and more these, these feelings of this came out. And I realized that. You know, when I'm successful, I'm 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 applying that saying I get to. Mm-hmm. D- did you try to con- uh, come up with arguments against your point so you really would sell it to yourself to really understand it? Because a lot of times, mm-hmm. when when earlier in my life when I was in the Marine Corps and I, I trying to understand why I believed what I believed, maybe I'm just a goof, but I would write what I believed, and then I would try to argue in other writings against my point to really congeal in my mind what I believed. It didn't really work because I was a super conservative Republican then, mm. and I'm not that anymore. Mm. But um, I find, I just, I'm, I'm curious about the process of, of coming up with the... Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't believe I did that necessarily. It just it get to, and I and as I started telling my story, oh, I got to do that. Oh, that's interesting. And mm. and my my girlfriend, an old girlfriend from high school, she committed suicide, and how I how I experienced that. And it doesn't end with all. This isn't all Pollyanna. Oh, and then I was all happy. Sure, no, sure. No, it it was fucked, man. That was painful. Yeah. And um, you know, later in life, and so it's it. I think that's the point. It's like, but get to when you say it, 
it's automatically, and I've, I've, I haven't done official studies, which I think I need to do to make it more, vi- or, you know, valid, validated. But you know, when you say "I get to," your mind gets quiet. That's the reality. That's mm. what happens. Everybody I talk to, I get to, and you automatically smile because you're taking control of life. And so that's just how it. As I was writing the book and doing these chapters, you know, there's a chapter that I didn't put in there. It's a little bit off topic, but but um, you're hearing it, it here first, folks. Yeah, but this is here first. This is coming out number two, and it, it's called "Get to Mustang Ranch." And so <laughs> Mustang Ranch is out of Reno. And oh, it, the and brothel. My, my trip to the brothel, hmm. and how I got to experience that as a young, stupid, just. <laughs> Like wow. scared of, out of my pants, walking into that place. Oh my god! I think well, I've, of course you got to do that. I got <laughs> exactly. Well, I yeah. I really appreciate the message, especially where it relates to loss. Be- yes. Whether it be like um, heartbreak or the the death of a loved one, because yeah. it really is like when I see when I see people post on Facebook, um, about losing someone that they loved to whatever. And they they talk about it. I I'm always I'm quick to hit the love button, even if mm. it's a post about someone dying. And they, mm. if they talk about you know if it's just oh they died I don't love. But right. if they if there's anything in there about they lived a good life and this was they they meant so much to me. I love that post because mm. in my mind I, I want to encourage them to remember. In your words, you got to be with them. You got to have them in your life. And I think that is vitally important and also wildly overlooked and underappreciated um, by people. Because yep. one, I think that we're a weird society in our culture that we don't fucking know how to grieve. Yeah, we- I mean, there's a little bit of pathologizing when it comes mm. to grief, right? Yeah, sure. um, and putting limits on it in mm-hmm. terms of like when it becomes a disorder, right? But um, it, it's a process for everybody. And it's hard to put like a, a time limit on when that will be healthy, right? Yeah, when sure. the grieving process is healthy. Um, Cause you're going to go through what you go through and yeah. it, it depends on the relationship that you had with the person. It, there's so many factors that play a role in that. So. No, I agree. And, and I think that it, like, we know people who have lost like young people who have lost their spouse. Mm. And I, I think that if they would, if this could be introduced to them that yes, grieve, yes, know that you lost something special that is natural and uh, that is necessary. But also, while you're grieving, remember that that was something special that you hadn't. You had that. Then this, all this grief, you wouldn't have either. And but you wouldn't. Would you trade not having your 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 husband or your wife that you lost to avoid this? Fuck no. no There's no no, no one that no. I know would say yeah. I would rather not have met them and had children with them and and had a life and built something with them so I could avoid this. That would be a selfish thing. That's it. Yeah. And one of my look, I look at it as, you know, especially with my daughter and my best friend died in my arms. I mean, you know, and I'm not saying everybody we're born and then we die. And in between we get to do this thing called life. And in, in that is grieving is loss. We're all going to die. We're all going to lose people. But what I realized for myself is that when I'm, honoring that soul's journey, that person, whatever that is, whether my dad at 76, my mom at 78, or my daughter at nine months, whatever the time length, quit putting a a label on it and just honor that journey. As soon as I come to that, 
then that then it's really like, wow, I'm honoring that and I'm coming back to what the world needs is me to be in a space of giving love back. Yeah. And that's what I say to people. When you're ready, Brittany, like you said, there is no timeline. Mm-hmm. It might take a lifetime for some people to to grieve and, and, and maybe that's what it is. But I think offering, you know, you guys, your show, you know, just offering love, offering out there, me offering this book, we're all just trying to encourage each other yeah. to come up out of whatever we're in, even if you're grieving the loss of a job or whatever, you know, come on, let's see if we can pull up and come back to this state of love. It doesn't need to be all airy-fairy, you know, but when you're ready, I think that's what the world needs from all of us. Yeah, I, I like that you you give that caveat, that you're not telling people, hey, you need to be, uh, no, don't be sad, no. you know, no. you got to. It, everybody, have, it's a natural thing that happens, but if you can find it within yourself to get <laughs> to this place, yeah. as I tap the book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like we haven't done this over 500 times and I don't know mm-hmm. people can't see me yeah um th- th- I think that's that's critical yeah. it, it's also it's good on you and I think that's something that you should uh you you are doing it you don't need to add it to your pitch but yep. it's certainly something that needs to be said no, because the th- the message can be misconstrued I think if if that's not in there as well yeah no you gotta, you gotta look I again I'll, and I'll say it again we, you know everybody each individual has their journey through life. It's not like I can, at looking at anybody, be a judge of how it should be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You know, so I just hold that each person in love, even if they're an idiot, you know, and I, the best yeah. I can. There's a lot of idiots there. Are out there are lots of idiots, and I just look and I just say with compassion, wow, I have no idea what that person has gone through in life to get to this moment where they're calling me an asshole. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah. And all I can do is give them the benefit, the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, one of the things I do, I look at being happy is my spiritual path. You know, the Dalai Lama says, after much consideration, I believe that the purpose of life is to find happiness. And Richard Branson, say another one, said that happiness shouldn't be a goal. It should be a habit. And so what I find for myself in, as a spiritual journey is like, if I can stay in this space, even when my toast burns, now maybe it burns like shit and I go, ah, okay come back and I get back to happy. So I'm driving down the road. Somebody cuts me off. It's my choice in that moment to really lose it and flip them off or whatever, or just have some awareness and say, wait, I'm not going to let that person pull me out of my happiness. And in fact, I have no idea. They might have their pregnant wife on the floor that I can't see and he's racing to the hospital. Or maybe his son died yesterday and he's out of his freaking mind with, and he doesn't even know what's going on. He's just weaving through right, traffic. Right. So who am I to judge? And when the more we can get to that space with every human, the person standing on the side of the road begging, whatever, quit the judgment, quit the voice of judgment and come present and just let them be. Boy, if the more we all can do that, I think the better the world's going to yeah, be. I, I think there is something to looking at, wor- looking at words and commonly understood concepts um, from a different angle. For, yeah. for instance, like I, I'm... I'm fond of the concept of love is not like just some expression of oxytocin a hormone in your body i mean that is what it is but it's also not just like an emotion love to me like to build a strong happy marriage love is about love is a verb it love is the work that goes in to maintaining Mm. that emotion Mm. it's not love is not this you know this this mcdonald's drive-through fucking starbucks movie love (laughs) I, I used to have a phrase I used to say to someone and then love love isn't fucking hope floats which is a Sandra Bullock movie it's not it's not this oh every it's ha- happy ever after love is I like you said it's a verb yeah it, it really it, is it takes it's, work to yeah. get out there and do it so I like yeah. the, the the happiness and the, the, the it, it 
my knee jerk is that it's kind of hippy dippy nonsense, sure. but it's really not. No. Because it's about shifting your paradigm and how you look at things. And it could be vitally important for millions and millions of people to help them out of mm. especially some of the lowest, toughest spots in their life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a woman in, from Illinois who had read the book, and she reached out to me, and we had a phone call. She was just out of the blue. You know, She went to my, on my website. I offer a free happiness coaching. Mm-hmm. for 45 minutes it's free for anybody that website wants to do it. tedlarkins.com tedlarkins.com and if you forget that go to gettobehappy.com that brings you over yeah. to my website but there's a button on there you can click for a free happiness coaching call i love to talk to people and this woman and then and then of course you know i i offer a, a happiness program but this woman reached out and she said look i i run a stroke camp for survivors and stroke victims and your book, I think, would really benefit this, these people at this camp I do in Illinois. Hmm. So I sent her, I think I sent her half a dozen books, and we've corresponded a number of times. She said they just read this and, and just changes their lens on how they're looking at life, and they smile just a little bit. Yeah. And I was just so honored that, you know, somebody from a stroke camp, you know, yeah. could, could get something out of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Move the needle. I think that's what we should also aspire to do. Just move the needle a little bit. Yep, yep. Get happy. Put your oxygen mask on and and, and feel happy. That is awesome. Yeah. And so I just real quick, Brittany... I would love to support you in your writing. Oh. I would... Anything I could (laughs) do for... And any of... uh, You know, it, it is so easy once you make that decision yeah you know it and i would just recommend big magic and stephen king's on writing if you haven't oh. listened or read that okay. his autobiography hmm. um, both of those they both read them on audible if you do that or reading them are great great inspirations for getting yourself off your butt to make it happen if you're will if you're ready to do that yeah if you're ready when you're ready we'll see what happens there you go <laughs> all right well uh, thanks for coming in my pl- thank you for having me i yeah, love you guys a good time. i love you guys so Listen, if this is your first time or your 500th time listening to the show, we would like to make an appeal. We are an independent show that is listener supported, as you heard during the mid-roll, during the break. And we are are in an effort right now to put out more and more content just like this. Uh, We're going to have Harley back on the show here in the next few weeks. Um, we interview professors and authors and politicians, movie ding-dongs in, in Hollywood, all kinds of people. Everybody. As well as two to three regular episodes a week covering news and comment and politics and our lives. Um, it is a good time. We have a lot of listener interaction. I know, Ted, that you're moving out of state here very, very soon. Yes. Um, it is likely we're going to have a lot of questions, maybe some pushback or whatever from the audience. We'd love to have you back on. It would probably be by Skype if you're if awesome. you're moved. Yep, or I'll come um, back in. I, and th- yeah, yeah, that goes for everybody. So if you have a question, if you have comments, anything, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone from to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We would love your support on Patreon. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. Again, buy his book, Get to Be Happy, Stories and Secrets to Loving the Shit Out of Life. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon and buy the book there. That would be fantastic. Ted, where can everybody else find you? Twitter, Facebook, all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, get to be happy on Facebook, on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. I got a great Instagram. I do Ted Tip for the day once a week, which are really kind of cool. It's fun. So Twitter, just get to be happy. And of course, uh, tedlarkins.com. You go on there. I've got a lot of resources there for finding finding whatever it is you're looking for in life. Awesome. 
So after you subscribe to the show, share this with your friends, mm-hmm. you can uh, look in the show notes on this episode and all that information will be there. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us for these bonus episodes and twice a week or three times a week or as often as you do. We would not be here without you. We love and appreciate each and every one of you. And we will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, Ted Larkins, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.